Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We welcome you back, and it is our number two of the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM from Las Vegas with our producer, Matt Santos, behind the glass, Jonathan Von Tobel, who you'll see a little bit later today, The Edge with Matt Humans, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Now, I'm Ben Wilson here in lovely Las Vegas, where we've got all sorts of MLB trade deadline news and notes that we're following today. The big story of the day, Juan Soto, who goes from Washington to San Diego. We're still waiting on the final actual deal here, as we t- just talked about in our last segment. Uh, the One of the pieces, Eric Hosmer, he, did, he was on the no-trade list for Washington, so he was able to reject that part of the deal. But as we're seeing reports, Jeff Passan just tweeting this out a couple minutes ago, the deal in some shape or fashion is going to happen. So no, people who are maybe panicking, yes. JVT, oh, Hosmer could just blow up this deal. Uh, the, the Padre, who they tried to send to the Nationals, and he's not going to because of the no-trade clause, well, he can't. They would just find some other iteration there. But it is already agreed in principle. Juan Soto for a ginormous package there to San Diego. Uh, the other one that comes out this morning that, again, gets kind of buried because any, any trade today will be buried by the Juan Soto news. But the Minnesota Twins do get uh, a, a pretty nice piece closer, Jorge Lopez, from the Baltimore Orioles for four prospects. Uh, that's got to have to think for the, the Twins, who really the market has not shown them any respect all year. They're still barely a minus money favorite to win the AL Central because people still believe in the Chicago White Sox figuring it out. This will, I would think, uh, JVT, this has to move the needle in a very positive direction for a team that has really struggled with the back-end bullpen most of the year. Yeah, and I thought, so Adam Burke, who um, is doing a live blog of all these trades as they go down up on the website, uh, I thought he made up a great point here when it came to Lopez. As he points out, it's a player development win for the Orioles. They took him, 604 ERA, 515 fielding independent through the 2021 season, and then flipped him for four players in this deal, and he has turned around and turned into a pretty solid bullpen pitcher. Here's the thing, though. So 168 ERA, 299 FIP on the season, eight runs in his last 11 and a third in July, 476 ERA, 523 fielding independent. So should help the Twins, but uh, if Lopez doesn't get back on track, then all of a sudden maybe the Twins are just looking at the exact same problems that they've had. It, it certainly could be. Well, and, and to me, the big element of this is you bring in Yohan Duran this year to the big league level. Mm-hmm. who makes his debut. Guy throw, Guy's average fastball velocity this year is 100.7 yep. miles per hour. Like He consistently hits 103. I love Duran and what he represents long term, but this is a guy who, I mean, he, he only threw 16 innings last year at AAA. He's thrown... 46 uh, across 37 appearances this year. So you just wonder how much will they really be able to rely on him down the stretch? And you only have now a game lead. The guardians here have refused to go away in that AL central race. So um, certainly a move that seems to be very beneficial for both sides in that. Um, and speaking of pitching as well today, because we get into today's major league baseball card, you have this nationals team that I, you always wonder, right? A team who gives up its, its best player in a blockbuster. How are they going to look coming out of that? Well, they're at home. They're facing the New York Mets, which shouldn't be considered all that out of the ordinary. Two teams in the division. But it is Jacob deGrom making his return to Major League Baseball. First time, JVT, since July 7th, 2021. 
It was not the smoothest of rehab uh, rehab stretches for mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom. Got lit up at times, including a start at AAA. But the Mets, I don't know how you bet this today. I don't think you would, but it's more just notable to point out. DeGrom is back near a three three and a half dollar favorite. You got to lay nearly $2 if you want to bet the Mets on the run line today. No reports on him being limited or on a pitch count. You'd think they'd be a little bit cautious, but a very interesting spot to make your debut here after more than 365 days off. Uh, yeah, and, and what I would say is probably a little bit of an overvalued favor, right? Implied probability, probability. of 77% for for the for Degrom and the Mets, the market bet him up from minus two ninety to minus three forty. So because of everything that's been going on, and I would think the anticipation of what was going to happen today too, we saw the market move heavily in the direction of Degrom. Um, I, I think it's relatively, for me at least, when you're looking at this, given what we know about what Degrom's coming from, uh, it would be Nationals or pass at a price like this. I think the market's getting a little overzealous. Uh, you know, the Mets are going to be on every single parlay that is available out there today. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think to me it would just be nationals or pass, and uh, that is something I would pass because to your point, I'm more of a statistical guy, but I would say that there is probably something to the notion of getting rid of your best player and your team clearly in the midst of, you know, just kind of punting on the year for the most right. part. You can get him as high as plus 285 if you if – you, I mean, you, you said really too. I mean, that. look, the plus-plus side, right? The plus one and a half on the run line at plus 165 plus as well. <laughs> plus 165. Some of these books too, the, the base run line, you see this happen with some of these giant favorites is two and a half, and you get plus yep. two and a half at basically even money right now. So – that that would be a consideration. Yeah, again, it's hard to really endorse that. Again, it's the Nationals. You know on paper it's not a team with uh, with much to offer there. But an interesting spot, to say the least. I think the series that intrigues me the most, though, and two teams who have been very active at the deadline, each bolstering their clubs, Seattle and the New York Yankees, uh, who go at it today. We saw them play yesterday, starting up a series there in the Bronx. Logan Gilbert for the Mariners against Jamison Tyone for the Yankees. Seeing seeing New York about a dollar sixty-five favorite at BetMGM. That is the uh, the high water mark, at least in the in the market right now, uh, with a plus one forty marker coming back on Seattle. Eight and a half is the total today. Uh, curious where you stand on, on a couple pitchers in Tyone who has a little bit of regression angled towards him, maybe to take a step back down the stretch, and and Tyone who has been solid, a solid pitcher for New York, but not by any means their best pitcher this year. Mm-hmm. No, I look, I think for me it's going to be Gilbert here to, to look at. Logan Gilbert, if you look at his numbers, uh, they're pretty tight across the board. 278 ERA, 342 fielding independent. You know, we, we've had this discussion before you and I in terms of how you weight the expected ERA because that's quite a bit higher if you're talking mm-hmm. about right. the delta between the ERA and the expected, which is 278 to 414. Uh, but I have found personally that still – Fielding independent is the way to go when you're trying to sort between the differentials and some of these numbers. So with that, you look at it, you say, well, Gilbert's a guy kind of worth backing at this point right now, especially when you see some of his numbers are as tight as they are uh, at this point right now. Now, Tyone is coming off of a three. His last three starts have been really solid. Now, he only pitched two and a two, uh, two and two-thirds against Baltimore in between there, but we're still talking about just three earned runs over his last three appearances. If you look at it from a numbers perspective, there's not much wiggle room. Like, he is who he is. 372 ERA, 367 fielding independent. But I think when you look at Logan Gilbert and the way that he's been pitching at this point right now, you can make an argument that he might be slightly undervalued by the betting market. So for me, it would be, yeah. I think, batting Gilbert or betting, excuse me, a backing Gilbert or getting out of here. And it's funny too how you can, like, we can change our thoughts on a guy, like the, the two regress negatively versus positively. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes you have an outing like Gilbert had against Houston, where, I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's he got touched up in that last start against the Astros, uh, lost in that one where gives up four runs, and all of a sudden you go from, well, maybe there was negative regression coming to, well, maybe actually now we've seen some of that coming, and he's, he's at his baseline. I still have a little bit of concern on Gilbert, just the fact that he is near the, near the top of the leaderboard in most hard-hit percentage allowed this season, which always concerns me just because you're playing the Yankees at Yankee yep. Stadium. That is the one concern I would have today. Uh, but so, so, so for to me, it would be a pass. But just find these mat- these matchups really, really interesting uh, when you look as well at a guy like Tyone, sub, but, well, well sub for ERA, who has his JVT just pointed out, uh, been pitching pretty well as of late. And both of these teams really bolstering themselves at the deadline, too. Got to be feeling good about where they're at right And now. real quick to your point about Gilbert as well, being mostly a fly ball guy who gives up a lot of hard contact over in New York is probably something that would work against you, I would assume. Yeah. Just just a hunch, yeah. maybe. That, that, that is how that would uh, work out. How about the Red Sox-Astros matchup as well? You see the Astros over the weekend, they acquire Christian Vazquez from the Red Sox, who presumably mm-hmm. just... Is it, is it me, JVT, or is it kind of weird how many of these trades happen where the teams are playing each other? When, when the trades are made, and they, oh, the guy walks across the hall. I was say, Benintendi just I mean, kind of walks Andrew over Benintendi to the from Royals yep. to the Yankees. So you see Vasquez go to Houston, Boston in that in that weird spot where 
And they're just hanging on for dear life at this point, and they are a near $2 underdog today. Christian Javier goes for the Astros against Cutter Crawford, the youngster for Boston right now. And you look at where the Sox are at, still a half game behind the Orioles, worst record in the American League East at 52 and uh, 52 there. At this point, three games back of Seattle for that final wild card spot. They're, they're not necessarily in a total sell mode. They're not really in a full buy mode either, though. And you now face one of the premier pitchers for Houston who has, has been a very big cog in that overall five-arm machine there down, uh, down in Houston in the starting rotation. Yeah, you know, the price seems like somewhat big here for Houston. And I get it, Houston with Christian Javier on the mound is, is going to be highly rated. But Cutter Crawford hasn't been terrible. 415 ERA is fielding independent slightly lower than at 372. Uh, he can strike out at a relatively solid rate. We're talking about a 944 in the strikeouts per nine. He walks quite a few guys. Uh, but at the same time, if you look at it, like there's a lot of things to like about him when you look at some of his numbers uh, and we know how good Christian Javier is and you mentioned it and there's not really much of a difference in his numbers here to me it was going to be either the Red Sox or taking a look at this game going under the total because if you look at both of these pitchers and their ability to pitch I do think that there's a case to be made that Crawford might be being a little undervalued here by the betting market and that this has the makings of a lower scoring game because I think we believe in Christian Javier as a pitcher and what he's going to be able to do here uh, at home that was the way I was looking at this is between these two, you can either take the big plus price uh, with Red Sox and, and believe in Cutter Crawford, which I think you can make a strong argument there, or you can look at both of these guys and understand that they have a really good position considering the way they've been pitching and look at this thing under the total of eight. It's amazing too for Javier, a guy that the one issue he had last year struggled with command, walked over. I mean, it was nearly five batters per nine. Mm-hmm. He's significantly gotten better there, about three and a half walks per nine, over 12 strikeouts per nine this year. That's a part of why you're seeing – Expected ERA, 281. You look at the fielding independent pitching, 339 with a 326 ERA. Not, not easy to do, to have right. a, you know ERA that glamorous and not show much signs of regression. 326 ERA, it's pretty much lived up to it. And it's not glaring, uh, but Javier has actually been better on the road than he has been at home. Yeah. If you look at his FIP in the splits between home and road starts, also kind of making the case to go against that minus 200 price tag for the Astros here today. Perfect. As far as the, uh, the nightcap, we had... Will's thoughts a moment ago. Tyler Anderson goes for the Dodgers. Guy who really, if, if you're looking at it, you compare Anderson and Gonsolin, the two really unsung heroes for this Dodger rotation. Anderson's a guy with the better numbers who does not have as nearly yep. as much regression as a guy like Gonsolin, who we finally started to see some of that regression happen over his last couple of starts. Goes against Alex Wood for the seemingly reeling Giants here. And it is, yeah, I am a little surprised, uh, as, as Will was as well when we had him on last segment. You're only seeing the Dodgers about as high as $1.40 in the market right now at BetMGM. Yeah, but Wood last time out against the Cubs, right? They had that losing streak going. He comes out six and two-thirds, performs very well, two earned runs. I believe he snapped the losing streak that night, if I remember correctly. For he the, did, yes. For the Giants. Yeah. So if you're going to back, I, I think if you're going to back San Francisco, I get how Anderson's been. Uh, it would be with Wood on the hill. But again, making a similar case what we talked about with Red Sox and Astros, given how inconsistent we'll call the Giants lineup has been, how good Wood has been, how good Anderson's been. Looks like a low-scoring affair between these two NLS Eight arrivals. is yep. your total. Yeah, even even Schuster. Man, Tyler Anderson. I mean, 261 on the ERA, 301 on the expected ERA, and 321 on the uh, the fielding independent pitching. Can't say that about uh, one Tony Gonsolin. Not, not quite there. Uh, Anderson, the 11-1 record, entering play tonight in San Francisco. We'll have more MLB talk a little bit later. Adam Burke going to join the show with his trade deadline thoughts. But up next, more football news and notes here on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. We are back. It is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM Tuesday edition of the show. Jonathan Bontobel. I thought you were doing a read. I'm not going to lie. I was just like lounging and looking at the television and then I was like, oh, hey, look at that. Hey, look, it's two days right now for NFL training camp. Well, it used to be at least. Well, it's actually, it's I was two days for us as well. Two so days. Eric Mangini's giant face is on the television screen because he's talking with Colin Cowherd. And I was just looking at the headline because, you know, the, the lower third, uh, Matt Patricia on Patriot staff. We all kind of just work together when it comes to, <laughs> you know, the lack of a coordinator and play caller. So I'm just, I was sitting back in amazement, just thinking about what in the world this is going to look like for the Patriots. So. I did not realize Eric Mangini is now, now Fox sports NFL analyst. Oh yeah. So. He's been out there for a while and the man genius. The man genius. And as they put right there, I love the, they put the credentials. 2006 AFC coach of the year. <laughs> Great. <laughs> a better the, time. A better, a better time. 16 years ago. How, how we remember. Uh, yes. So speaking of the, the, uh, the two days, Edge coming up. Uh, JVT will be on that later. I'll yep. be on primetime action tonight. A lot of fun. A lot of fun to be had throughout the network today. This is always one of the fun days, in, especially in the summer stretch where there hasn't been much going on. It's like training camp abounding. Hall of Fame game two days away. Trade deadline going on in Major League Baseball. Um, had some interesting news and notes that come out, especially this This comes out yesterday. Want to get your thoughts on the Alvin Kamara situation now, which we, amidst the Deshaun Watson uh, revealing yesterday of a six-game suspension, we also hear yesterday that uh, Alvin Kamara, his court hearing is now postponed about two months here. The court hearing for the felony battery charges he's currently facing postponed 60 days. It was officially for the felony battery resulting in substantially substantial bodily harm and conspiracy to commit battery. Now going to begin on September 29th. Now it's already been postponed two other times. Mm. And we were having some conversations last week with uh, Michael Lombardi on this show thinking, all right, well, what, I mean, this, this thing could certainly drag on into maybe week one. That was the thought at the time, given that we were expecting a August 1st start for this hearing. I mean, what do you think now of the fact that this is September 29th? This will be into the season here, and it kind of remains to be seen. Like, it, it's, it's, it's not something that will leave him out of games until the hearing actually happens and is concluded. So you could see a suspension not happen until 2023 season. You could also see one happen midseason this year, depending on what actually happens. I, I would, I'm going to make him being suspended in 2023 the favorite. The favorite, yeah. Um, if there is a suspension to come. Only because, like, the the NFL, we see the process all the time, and we'll see what happens, what comes of uh, the process and the hearing for him. If nothing legally comes of it, then the NFL will probably do its own thing in terms of investigation and whatnot, and they could ta- that could take a while. And if there is any sort of pushback on something like that, like we're kind of seeing with Sean Watson, then this drags out into, like, the end of the year. I would think that you go into the year with the New Orleans Saints assuming that Alvin Kamara is going to be available for it, for the entirety of the 2022 yeah. NFL season. That's just, again, that makes it the mystery of new Orleans. Cause I think if you evaluate it, if I already guarantee you that Alvin Kamara, were going to be a part of this team for the entire season. I think there's a real case to be made for this team to be a playoff squad, to be a potential. If you're talking about just the odds and the implied probability, I think there is value at a price for them to win the division of plus three seventy five personally, by the way that I rate them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, if you're to guarantee me that, then I'm really tempted by a New Orleans Saints team that could have one of the better defenses in the NFC and Jameis Winston, who gave them a baseline of play last year that was relatively positive. Like all of those things put together, I think make for a really intriguing playoff team that's going to float around that nine and eight, ten and seven range. Um, 
But again, that's the mystery because we don't know how this is going to be handled. I would think it gets dragged out into next year, uh, but that is obviously nowhere near a guarantee. Right, and it, it kind of comes down to even if you have some of the conviction, as you clearly do, at least thinking these numbers are favorable enough to bet them, do you still make that wager even if you are in your own mind, your own handicapping brain saying, well, I make it like a $1.50 favorite that a suspension doesn't happen until next year. Like it, The question is, is that enough for you to still say, all right, I feel like a bet is worth it, or would it more be – all right, let's let's just see how this plays out maybe week to week and look at maybe an in-season angle here. Yeah, I think it's more for me about maybe taking a position on New Orleans early in the season. Like I believe them to be a little undervalued by the betting market, so I think that's how I would handle it as opposed to, you know, investing them to win the NFC South, given that there is still that mystery of what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara and his status. So I think that's the that is the way that I would approach it uh, personally. While I do see the value in that number, just the fact that this hangs over this season and that there's a small chance that by season's end we could see him forced into some sort of suspension. I mean, you're talking about the scenario off the air. Can you imagine if they enter week 17, like a game out of a wild card spot or in control of a wild card spot, and Eagles and Panthers, those are essentially coin flip spots, and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, Alvin Kamara is not going to be available for you. Like that, It'd be pretty wild for anybody who had some future wagers on them. So I think that's what I'll do. I think I'm approach them from a position standpoint on a week-to-week basis once the season begins. Yeah, and it, it, you think about it too. So now this is a September 29th hearing, and it, who knows? It could get pushed mm. back again, but let's just say it happens then. Hearing goes into sometime in October. We saw how the, the panel of judges did this with the Deshaun Watson case, where it was, oh, we'll do it by the start of training camp, and they did not stick to that timeline, and this was a several-months thing. So you would think, even if the NFL is trying to move as fast as humanly possible, like December at the, at the earliest, maybe? I mean, but look, look at what's going on out here in Las Vegas again when it comes to the case of Henry Ruggs, whose case, you know, right was hearing was pushed back, I think, three times already, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, so th- this is just a legal process that continues to kind of get dragged out here. So we'll see if that's even going to be the situation, right, once that comes up. I would, I'm, yeah, as, the more you think about it, it would makes a lot of sense if you are still – bullish on the Saints not not again we'll see how this actually plays out long term but for now it's more of do you trust Dennis Allen coming in as a head coach here we know that the we know that the infrastructure is already pretty solid with Pete Carmichael who's been the quarterback's guy there forever and has had such an intertwining role along with Sean Payton in that uh, in that offense it's just how do you feel like Dennis Allen comes in a guy who was the defensive coordinator he's at least been around that organization handling like something like this sort of bubbling beneath the surface. You have Jameis Winston coming off injury. Mm-hmm. That to me is the bigger question. And a team that already is without Michael Thomas again, to start camp back on the PUP list. How do you, how do you integrate all these, all of those pieces and all of those somewhat worrisome storylines from off the field? That would probably be my bigger question as, as, as opposed to, okay, what's the realistic timeline here for a Camara hearing and suspension as a result. Yeah, and like I think when you look at Winston, so we know how he started the year from a season ago, right? He had, they killed the Packers in that game. He throws five touchdowns, less than 150 yeah. yards. It was kind of a weird game. And then he has two weird clunker games where they go on the road against Carolina following that up. They lose it. Then they go on the road against New England. He throws two touchdowns, but less than 130 yards in an off performance. But after that, if you look at it from like a PFF grading standpoint or just a traditional statistical standpoint, he performed pretty well in the rest of those games. Had a really solid game against the Giants, in which he only threw for one touchdown, but 226 yards, almost 10 yards per attempt. He had consecutive games where he threw for over 10, uh, 9 yards per attempt and nearly 280 yards against the Washington Commanders, or at the time was the football team. Uh, really limited the turnover-worthy plays kind of after that. Did have uh, consecutive games which he committed to turnover-worthy play, but I think there is like there was, I think, things to like about Jameis Winston last year. Now, the switch of the system and how much different it's going to look when you don't have the same whisperer in your ear like you did last year is going to be a question. Uh, But I do think I've always been kind of more pro Jameis Winston than most. And I think when you look at last year, you can kind of pick apart what he did and skew it one way or the other. But I think there were some real positives for him. Totally with you. And look, it's a a schedule that is favorable. Ninth easiest by Vegas win totals this year. And look, you start off with two – two rebuilding teams in the first three weeks, albeit on the road. And obviously, big big matchup at home against Tampa, but the matchup where New Orleans is outside of the one playoff game in 2020 really had a Tampa Bay's number. So a team that was 9-8 and eight a season ago, second betting favorite out of the NFC South. Uh, the other, and again, I always say these are kind of the interesting news and notes quotes coming out of these camps where you just look oh, at Oh, you want a good you, one that just came down? Laugh. Oh, yes, I would love to hear one. Uh, this is coming out. So everybody likes the Eagles this year, right? Uh, get the All-star B- team, Miles get, Sanders. Get yeah. the B-roll ready, Santos. This is a big topic that we had to discuss here. Uh, Jeff McLean covers the Eagles. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts says that he gave up lemonade, one of his favorite drinks, Whoa. this offseason. Also found a replacement, if you're wondering. Lemon Perfect.
So good shout to Lemon Perfect, which I guess is a low sugar alternative. He lemonade. gave up lemonade. I mean, I'm a big lemonade fan. So I get it. Where does that where, where does that rank to you up, uh, alongside the uh, the the you know Mac Jones post you know looking like he's got the Instagram bod in shape? I mean, that, you know, lemonade. He, Instagram pictures on the beach. He does look pretty yoked, though. Uh, and we just get word, too, right now. Um, Tim Patrick, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, was just carted off the field. Uh, so that's going to be something to monitor. And that's the other part of training camp. That's the downside is, you know, injuries every, every and what's going to happen. Yes. We saw what happened with Brian Jensen, the Buccaneer center. We know what his prognosis has been. So we get this with Tim Patrick. Keep an eye on that. Uh, I was noting, we were talking about it, uh, the video that came out, Sky Moore, one of the bets that I made to win offensive rookie of the year, came up a little limp after uh, burning the dude out of his jock strap. So we'll see if that's going to be something that lingers for Sky Moore. So keep an eye on that. That's the latest Tim Patrick. Tim Carted Patrick. off the field. Yeah. Oh, look. Always something. I mean, it's every single day. And that's why, at least for me, I wait a little bit deeper into August once we have a, a better sense of, of where we're at in the preseason to make a lot of my futures wagers. But that's something uh, something you're always you're always going to have to deal with. Uh, the quote I was thinking was pretty interesting was just Aaron Rodgers in general talking about uh, his wide receiver saying, I like the guys that we got. I, I mean, no TFF says they are the 31st wide receiver core. I don't know if that's maybe a little too harsh. But it is going to be Alan Lazard, the number one guy this year. I don't know how, how you how you no, I, believe that perception to be. I agree with that. And I, I thought the guys at PFF, Steve, uh, uh, Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson, I listened to their podcast, and they brought up a great point, which was, you know, when you look at some of these other teams and you, you dissect their receiving course as a whole, if you include tight end, there are some positives, right? At least the Baltimore Ravens have Mark Andrews. At least the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey. The Packers don't really have that, right? So that's, I think, what impacts them even more. So, And, by the way, Christian Watson, the knee scope. So he wasn't even available to start a training camp. So it's going to be pretty interesting. Onion's still working his way back. They hope yep. to have him ready by week one, but they have not been able to guarantee that as of yet. We'll have some more quarterback news coming back. Rams apparently lessening Matthew Stafford's workload. We'll discuss that. Also get into some Big 12 odds in the college football landscape. That is next on the Lombardi Line. The VEASAN College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All-Access subscriber. Sign up early, and for a discount at $175, you'll receive the college and pro football betting guides along with full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or join us for $40 a month and see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. A guy who wrote a good amount of the College Football Betting Guide will join us next segment, Adam Burke, and the guy who also wrote a good portion of the College Football Betting Guide, sitting right next to me, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, what are we talking about? Hold on, hold on. 131, 12, Um, 9.1% of the teams. 92 if we round up. 9.2% of the teams. All right. Very, very good. We'll talk some Big 12 here in a few minutes. First, wanted to get a couple more training camp news and notes coming out here. Rams might have, uh, at least on, a, on the wide receiver front, <coughs> might have a little, little bit of concern. Van Jefferson going to undergo knee surgery this week. Uncertain for week one against the Bills from Sean McVay. That's what, 38 days out now. Yep. And opening night. So on, on the Sunday show, uh, the football betting guide, I brought this up, which was uh, on, I think it was Saturday, Jefferson was missing from practice. Mm -hmm. And there was this really vague comments about like what his availability was and what was going on. And this is kind of my deal with the Rams, which was everybody keeps saying like, oh, they don't have a salary cap. Like how, how do they keep doing this? But this is what happens, right? When you become so invested in some top positions, your depth gets tested. Now, I would challenge you, can you name me a receiver not named Cooper Cup or Allen Robinson mm -hmm. for the Los Angeles Rams, right? After Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell is on the wide receiver depth chart. Like, if you look at it as a whole, the depth is a little questionable for them. So now we're talking about this going forward, and this was kind of my thing, which, which was like, look, you can clearly see real positions of weakness, especially when it comes to depth. They don't really have a lot of good edge rushers. Their wide receiver depth is going to be tested if anybody goes down. And here we are, Van Jefferson, knee surgery, and start of the season in doubt. And that's, I think, a little bit of a, a sign of worry for the Rams, who are still a very good team, obviously. Right. But that's something to monitor as you move forward into a season. And for the people saying, well, Odell Beckham, that guy's a free agent, just run it back. Well, Coming off of not, what again? Yeah, he's not going to be available right. for at least probably the first month of the season, even if they wanted to do that. That's that certainly on the surface seems to be the more important thing coming out of camp there for the Rams. Although they did, we've have seen the reports that Matthew Stafford, they are 
still saying that he's dealing with elbow discomfort. They uh, did not throw during spring workouts at all. Uh, they, 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 actually, they limited Stafford's throwing in the spring, and it's been a slow ramp up for him so far. And I guess the logical question, we, we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks with some of the overall player totals, the props here, and how Stafford's numbers are expected to drop off. Again, with how historic of a year it was last year when you think about the season Cooper Cup had as his top receiver. But does this do anything for you, thinking about a guy who is getting up there in age, who is, who is for all intents and purposes, been able to stay on the field, albeit at less than 100% now in his, in his Rams and going back to his Lions tenure? Not entirely. Like, wake me up when we get to, like, August 17th, right? And yeah, this is still kind fair. of an issue. Yeah. Um, I think then, if, if it's starting to linger to that degree, then I think you'd start to get worried if you're the LA Rams. Again, going back to their question of depth. But I think for right now, if you're just talking about some soreness and you know limiting him in terms of his workload because you want to make sure he's ready for the season, you kind of understand it at this point. I mean, it's barely August 2nd. John McVay basically said, yeah, we've got five weeks. That's right. how we're yep. looking at it. Let's, we're, let's not panic here. McVay's a guy who is notoriously not given a rip about the preseason as well, so he's going to get plenty of rest, Matthew Stafford. Would, I would say so as well. Speaking of the preseason, a little over 48 hours, Hall of Fame game. We find out today where we will not see Trevor Lawrence. We will not see uh, Travis Etienne for the Jaguars. A lot Shocking. of get ready for Jake Luton, baby. Is that uh, you? Are you going to have a wager? So let, let me ask you: Did we get an update? Uh, so Jake Luton is going to start. Was that the official word? He is going to he is going to start and get the bulk of the action. C.J. Beathard, the backup, is uh-huh. nursing a groin injury, yep. so it is so, going to be mostly the third stringer, uh, Jake Luton. We have seen in NFL action. We, this we've year. seen NFL action, and I got to tell you, I mean, so we talked about this the other day, and humans are not going to discuss it on the edge today, uh, which is you know a big part of your handicap of preseason is quarterback depth. And I think you really like the quarterback depth from a preseason standpoint for the Jags. You mentioned Luton and the fact that he has played in NFL games prior. Yeah, it's a uh, real guy, at least. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a real, and that's the whole point. Jared Stidham did not see the field in the preseason last year. He's the Raiders backup quarterback. Uh, if you look at their depth overall, Chase Garbers is on that list, a rookie. And questionable depth, I think, in multiple positions for the Raiders, including offensive line and interior defensive tackle. I think the Jags, to me, the Jags are a team to circle, especially if Beathard's going to be healthy and available. Remember, last year, Beathard was actually the highest-graded passer by PFF standards in the preseason last year. So if he's going to be out there and available for them, I think you really like what the Jags bring to the table from a quarterback depth standpoint. So in this game, I took a small piece of the Jags at pick. I think okay. that they're just a team that I want to back in the preseason as we kind of move along here, and I'm going to test that theory in this spot against the Raiders. Although I do find it hilarious that the total has dropped a full two points since the news Pound has come out. the under. Well, well, but the, since the news <laughs> has come out that shocking, get this, Nobody's starters playing. aren't playing in the Hall of Fame game. Like that's yeah. worth two points. That's something that's never happened before. Starters not playing in the Hall of Fame game. Especially, yes, the Hall of Fame game, which is not even right. the real preseason either. Yes, Isn't it ironic? Hall of Fame game where you're never going to see a Hall of Famer play. Yeah. Funny how that works. 30 and, 30 and a half. Uh, and I'm seeing some shops. I mean, DraftKings still has the Raiders favored by two. The, the Jags have taken some steady money. Most of the Nevada jurisdiction shops now down to a pick them pretty much market wide. There's one Raiders minus one still out there. I know we'll have a lot of, a lot of preseason discussion all this month, especially on the edge there with uh, JBT and Matt Humans. We also want to get to some one more conference here we'll fit in before we welcome in Adam Burke next segment to talk all things MLB trade deadline. Maybe some college football thoughts from him as well since he wrote a nearly 50 team write-ups this year for the college football guide. Uh, how about the Big 12 where you look at a conference full of transition this year, really starting at the top with Oklahoma who brings in Brent Venables back in Norman as their head coach, but they are still right now at least the favorites, highest win total on the board of nine and look, there's no more Lincoln Riley. There's no more Caleb Williams. How, how realistic do you feel about the, uh, the Sooners' chances now with a lot of new pieces there in Norman? Yeah, you know, I like oh, – like, I see the path of Oklahoma being, like, the better team in the conference, right? Like, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel, like it a lot. An offensive coordinator that was with him his freshman year over at UCF is going to be there too. So there are a lot of things that I think will gel well for Oklahoma, and I think you can assume that Brent Venables is going to maximize the defensive talent of this roster. Um, and you understand, too, why Texas will be the second choice. Obviously, those two are the recognizable brands. There's liability involved in that. Quinn Ewers transfers over, beat B. John Robinson. There's a, light to lock, a, light, a lot to like about that offense. But for me, when I keep evaluating the Big 12, I just see a league that's going to be rife with parity. I think all of these teams are going to be facing off with another in a lot of evenly matched contests. I mean, you even look as low as TCU at 14-1. to TCU's got 18 guys coming back. Sonny Dykes is a pretty good coach that I think is going to maximize a lot of what that offense 
offense brings to the table. Kansas State is going to be really good defensively, and Adrian Martinez comes in as a transfer quarterback. to give you a baseline of play. And Baylor, I think, has some really intriguing talent, specifically along the offensive line, and a guy who led them to the Big 12 title, at least from a, the game standpoint, because he got the start uh, at quarterback. So I think when you look at it overall, to me, if we're talking about winning the Big 12, I'd rather take my shots elsewhere than with the two favorites, and I landed on Baylor personally. I, look, I get it. We had uh, Tim Brando come on the uh, on primetime action uh, about a week ago, and he said Baylor pretty felt pretty confident. Baylor's the best team in that mm. in that league, top to bottom. You think about last year, Big Twelve title game, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Those are your third and fourth uh, betting favorites this year. And so when you, when you look at that, I would to me, I would think the win totals would, could potentially provide some value there, where you've got a lot of these teams, some of whom like Texas have to you know play Alabama and will have a difficult non-con. But if you're thinking parity is going to be in play here. Could there be some angles? And it, it is kind of funny how a lot of these teams heavy, heavy juice to over mm-hmm. when you consider, all right, especially in, in the mid-tier, like Baylor over minus a buck 55 on a seven and a half. K-State over same same juice, minus 155 at a six and a half. TCU, you're looking at minus 140 on the six and a half as well. Are you of that of the same thought that, well, if there is more parity, maybe you look at those mid-tier teams in the six and a half to seven and a half range and feel like the path is, is a lot clearer on them, at least clearing seven, eight wins than it would be to actually win the title, given how, how many teams are up for grabs there. Yeah, I think like the Kansas State, humans has pointed out as a win total wager in terms of like six and a half that might be worth looking at. I thought that Oklahoma State, we talked about them the other day, but playing them under eight and a half would be pretty intriguing. They start off the year with a relatively easy schedule, right? It's, uh, it's Central Michigan, Arizona State, Arkansas, Pun Bluff. But after that, once you get into conference play, you're talking about road games in conference against Baylor, TCU, Kansas State, Oklahoma. Like it, across the board, you get to play host to Texas. There's a lot of at best coin flip spots and a ton of tough road matchups for Oklahoma State that I think they're going to have a tough time finding their way over eight and a half wins. Uh, like that was a win total in the big 12 that totally stuck out to me it was the Cowboys betting them under that's the other thing too like they got to rebuild a lot I shouldn't say rebuild they got to retool a lot defensively mm-hmm. Spencer Sanders is an okay quarterback I think he's above average but he doesn't give you a lot of uh, dynamic quarterback play and their backups too I don't think there's been a single pass thrown at the D1 level for them including Mike Gundy's son by the way who's on the quarterback <laughs> depth chart I think you remember um, yes, he's on the yeah depth so chart. like I think for me if we're talking win totals the one that stuck out personally was actually betting Oklahoma State under that eight and a half under eight and a half on Oklahoma State I believe Tim Brando's favorite win total was Kansas over yeah, well, it, one, it was one and a half because at the it was open. one and yep. a half. Yes, and yep. that, that was where Lance Leopold's got a. I think he's got like eighteen guys coming back himself, and uh, there is some yeah. room for Kansas to make some hay, especially with their non-conference schedule sets up pretty nicely yeah. for them. K uh, State, they they were in your guys' top forty on the edge, right? They were like what were they 30, Santos like thirty nine or something 30 like that, thirty seven, somewhere say in that range. I saw yeah. them in the mid. So they, that was that was the lowest Big Twelve team, at least on these odds, that made your your top forty cutoff. So I want to say yes. I'm getting so, quizzed on this. I don't know. So presumably you'll have six Big Twelve in your in your top forty this year. Sure. That's that's what but again I say presumably meaning but again going to be parity could could be some could be I don't some think more. Iowa State made it in Iowa State did not make it in. controversy already at least, I mean they're in the same yeah, I think we only got five but yeah, I don't know the whole poll the I learn every day just like everybody else does I don't know how, <laughs> I don't have the whole list <laughs> Matt Humans was texting me this morning about my input on Colton the Wisconsin yes. resident you know there's a lot of weird things that happen with the edge fast food rankings for Matt Humans coming out uh, this week. When we return, we wrap up the Lombardi line with Adam Burke talking all things baseball and college football. That's next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back for the final time on the Lombardi line with Jonathan Von Tobel. You'll catch him and Matt Humans. On the edge, coming up in a little bit, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern today. Brett McMurphy uh, joining the show, from uh, who's been a longtime college football insider and a reporter. So that'll be really nice content mm-hmm. uh, as well. Big thanks as well to our technical directors, Liz Foster, Matt Hicks, Jeff Jens on, uh, on audio as well. Helping out along with Matt Santos, our producer today. So I fun show being never, with you today. never thank our crew. It's always understood. They know. You guys do a good job. Okay, That'll be good for the next year. That'll, yeah, you, th- you do it once a year, and it just kind of carries over. That's right. That's, they know I appreciate them. <laughs> John, John Fontobel, hard, hard man to get compliments from. He's, he's very, very much by the book. Uh, we will we'll welcome in now Adam Burke, who both you, JVT, and Adam, big, uh, big contributors to the College Football Betting Guide. Maybe get some thoughts from Adam in a little bit on CFB things. But uh, the main story of the day coming out of the Major League Baseball trade deadline Juan Soto trade, at this point, it, it broke about uh, two, two hours ago, just a little bit under. That where Juan Soto goes from Washington to San Diego. Adam, I know you've been uh, doing this live blog here at VEASAN.com. You've been all over everything. What was your, your initial reaction here to Soto going to San Diego in this particular blockbuster move that will really come to define this current trade deadline? Yes. Yeah, so, look, I mean, I think it was one of those things that we kind of expected to happen over the last 24 or so hours where it looked like San Diego was pretty clearly the front runner. To get Juan Soto, they certainly had the right pool of prospects to get him, including some major league ready talent like C.J. Abrams, like Mackenzie Gore, uh, who's of course hurt right now. But this is a obviously a very significant move, and and you know I think it's one of those things for the Padres where offensively they've really struggled. The pitching staff has been good, the starting pitching and the bullpen have both been solid, but the offense, particularly against right-handed pitching, has had a lot of issues. So not only do they get Juan Soto, but they also get Josh Bell, who's a switch hitter guy that can match up against a lot of different pitchers. Really, really good addition for them to get Bell thrown in the deal. Obviously, we'll see what happens with the Eric Hosmer component that's been talked about a lot. Seems like he has not waived his no-trade clause for this deal, but the deal will get done with the prospects and Soto as the centerpieces. So, Adam, when you look at it from the chances of the Padres now winning a title this year, uh, 11-1 to 1, about right there, 12-1, to 1, I think, consensus number for them uh, to win the World Series. In your mind, because we always know this, right, futures board's a reflection of liability. They're going to be a popular team at the window. What are some true odds for this team to win the World Series? Because, well, I think this is obviously an improvement for them. I don't find myself wanting to run to bet them at 11-1 to 1 or so to win a title. Yeah, I don't find myself wanting to run and bet them at this number either. I mean, I thought it was really interesting last night that you could still find 20 to 1, 22 to 1 out there in the market, even though it looked like this deal had a much better chance of happening than not happening. So, for anybody who, you know, kind of speculated a little bit, got that 20 to 1 or 22 to 1 price, I think that was a good grab. At this point in time, I mean, look, you know, they're going to have to play in the wild card round because they're not going to catch the Dodgers in the West. They're 12 games back. They have 12 head-to-head meetings, but they're not going to run the table in those. 
So I don't think they'll win this division, which means they won't get a buy, which means they'll have to play in that first wild card round where anything can happen in a three game series. And we've seen the pirates sweep the Dodgers in a three game series this year. So anything can happen in the span of three games. They're still below the Dodgers for me. And with the Mets getting Jacob Grom back tonight, alongside Max Scherzer and all the other talent that they have. Plus I think they'll still upgrade something today. The Padres are maybe the third best team in the national league. I still really like the Brewers as well. So I really don't think there's much equity at 11 to one, 12 to one. I've even seen as low as eight to one out there. Uh, you know, if, if you didn't speculate on this and get 20 to one or better, you kind of missed the boat at this point. One book, five to one here in, uh, in, in Nevada, oh. Adam, in case you were wondering. Follow Adam at Skating Tripods, by the way. I'm sure that and, same uh, shop hangs a yes-no market, Adam, so we can bet the uh, the no on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure that is the case. Uh, for Adam you, Adam, you mentioned the Brewers, though, a team that you are high on. You texted me yesterday as soon as the, uh, the, jo- the Josh Hader news broke as well. I, as a Brewer fan, it, it is hard for me to be – uh, to not be conflicted, I should say, when you trade away one of the best closers in baseball, when you have a three-game division lead. Uh, but it's a big haul coming back the other way. San Diego gets Hater now. What do you make of that deal if you're, if you're analyzing things from both sides now when you add Hater in the mix in San Diego and you add two pretty usable pitchers in the mix for the Milwaukee Brewers? Well, I like the deal a little bit more for both sides than I did yesterday because obviously the Padres are going for it, getting Hater and now getting the Soto deal done. If it would had just been Hater in a vacuum, obviously that's not going to be enough. He's a great relief pitcher, certainly, but you know the Padres needed more than that. They needed offense. Now they've got it with Soto and Bell. So when you look at the grand scheme of things for the Padres here and the way that AJ Preller is very clearly going for it, this Hater deal makes a little bit more sense. With that being said, I mean it's kind of World Series or bust over the next two to three years for them because they've given up a large portion of their future. You know, losing Ruiz, losing Gasser in this deal with the Padre or with the Brewers, along with you know, I think Denilson Lamette's a pretty good pitcher himself. So, you know, I like this deal for both sides. I like it for Milwaukee because they're a very small market team by MLB standards. I think they're the 28th or 29th in market size. They have to thread the needle. David Stearns has to try and buy and sell at the same time at the deadline. That's what he did here. I don't mind kind of getting out from under Hater right now because he hasn't been overly sharp and he's got a huge contract coming next year his last year of arbitration. So I like this move for them. I don't think it hurts them that much in the short term. And I would expect Stearns and the Brewers to do something else before that six o'clock trading horn goes off today. So Adam, every time at the NBA tread deadline, I'm always asked if I do one of these hits about like, Hey, you know, which deal makes it so that we want to go out and bet a future right away. And I always give the same boring answer, which is kind of what you said about the Padres. And the most kind of sale than actually all of these, there's really nothing to be picked away from these future odds. Is there anything at all that you can take away that a move was thus that you can look at the futures odds and the markets didn't adjust enough for a positive impact of a move at all. So I think right now in terms of moves that didn't happen, I've been really disappointed in the Minnesota twins here at the trade deadline, which is fine with me because I'm a Cleveland guardians fan. So I'm okay if they don't do anything, but I really felt like the twins needed to get one of Luis Castillo or Frankie Montas. They wind up with neither one Castillo went to the Mariners a few days ago. Montas of course went to the Yankees yesterday. There's not really a whole lot of upside starting pitching out there in the marketplace right now. And the twins haven't gotten anybody to bolster that rotation. And I think that's a major misstep by them. Uh, they did pick up a reliever today in Jorge Lopez from the Orioles, but you know, look, their bullpen is, is okay. The issue is they're overworked because the starters don't give them any length at all. So because the twins haven't done anything, Cleveland at 80 to one kind of intrigues me. Same thing with the white Sox at 35 to one, but you're probably looking more at division prices where, you know, if the twins really don't do anything, I think Chicago at plus 150 is a decent look, and I could definitely talk myself into Cleveland at plus 250 or, you know, obviously shop around for the best price. I'm just looking at DraftKings right now. But if the Twins don't improve their pitching staff, I think that's a major mistake on their part. Just a one-game lead right now for Minnesota. We we talked earlier, Adam, uh, JVT and I did about – just how Yohan Duran, I mean, the guy has been so utilized so heavily this year, first year in the big leagues. How much more will you be able to ride him down the stretch? So at least he gets something in Jorge Lopez. But, yes, you would have liked to see have seen a little bit more uh, there in Minnesota. Before we get you out of here, Adam, we have been plugging our college football betting guide here throughout the uh, the show. It's been Mountain West Day on Lombardi Line because Jonathan Von Tobel, he was, he was our guy writing a lot of the Mountain West previews. I understand. We were just breaking down uh, the big San Jose State commitment. Oh, just yeah, yeah. That, that's, how, that's how deep we were going there. I understand you have a play on uh, – 
you did not write the Mountain West, but you do have a play on, on Air Force looking at, uh, at their win total of eight and a half this year. Yeah, I actually have Air Force really highly ranked in terms of my power ratings. I have Air Force up around 10.25 projected wins. So that's well above market. I think it's the biggest overlay that I have, excuse me, that I have uh, in the market here. I don't think their division's particularly good. I think the conference championship comes down to them in Fresno State. I have those two teams power rated just about equal uh, for this season here. But I think the Falcons are really, really good. They're very experienced. Troy Calhoun's an excellent head coach. And I think Boise State probably falls off a little bit this year. I'm not super high on any of the other teams that are, you know, in their area there in the Mountain West. So, you know, this is a conference that's going to get rid of divisions next season. So that'll be a pretty interesting thing for them. But for right now, I just look at this Air Force team, and, and I think this may be the best team that Calhoun's had there. You and uh, you and JVT both, you guys are on the same yeah, page. Adam, was that you or was that Steve McAdoo who had them favored in every single game this year? I think I had them favored in every single game this year. Yep. Wow. Maybe one, maybe one pick them in there, or is it all, 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 uh, all twelve going to be favored? Yes, yeah, I mean it depends. I, I agree it. with the sentiment about Boise State too. I mean, maybe you can talk yourself into Boise State being near pick, but I don't think that's going to be the case. They, they should be favored on October twenty second. No, no doubt. Pretty, pretty amazing there. Uh, go follow Adam on Twitter if you don't already at Skating Tripods. You're continuing uh, your your live blog there. Is that uh, the rest of the deadline day here today, Adam at Veasan.com? Yep, that's what I'll be doing. That. Refreshing Twitter feverishly. Feverishly. That is a very active, or actually accurate, verb to describe what Adam is doing all day today. Adam, thank you for the time, and uh, thank you, JVT. It's been a blast. Oh, As buddy. always, two a days for us. So we're just, you know, this is our warm up. Catch JVT on the edge couple in hours. a couple hours' time. I'll be back on primetime action tonight. Up next, though, it is Odds On from our Circus Sportsbook Studio. Mike Palm, Amal Shaw, up next on VC. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.